Hi guys, my name is Jacinta Robinson and this is the Fearless Podcast where I interview people that have done extraordinary things in their life. Today's guest was an elite soccer player for 12 years. Within three years, she completed three 10K runs, two half marathons, two full marathons, three sprint distance triathlons and 100K bike ride. What makes this guest so extraordinary is still to this day, she's the only one that has completed an Ironman without doing a half Ironman or an Olympic distance. Her expertise is jumping into the deep end and feeling really uncomfortable and then finding her way through and coming up on top. Iron woman to businesswoman. Please help me welcome my partner, Elise Grace. Hey. Hey, baby. Hello. So today, babe, I want to talk about your journey through when you did an Ironman. Okay, cool. Let's do it. So for everyone that is out there that doesn't know what an Ironman is, please tell us what's involved. All right, cool. So an Ironman uh, triathlon is a 3.8-kilometer swim, 180-kilometer bike ride, followed by a 42.2K run. And it's all back-to-back, so there's no breaks. Right. Sounds crazy. Yeah. (laughs) So tell us, how long did that take you? It took me 14 hours, 44 minutes, and I think 22 seconds. Oh my gosh. 14 hours? Yeah, nonstop. So we started really early in the morning and then um, it was dark when I finished. Okay. And where did you do the Ironman? Where was it located? Uh, Down in Melbourne. So it was the Asia Pacific Championships. Um, So there were athletes from all around the world. It was really a really, really big event. It was really cool. Cool as. Was there anyone that you knew at the event? Um, no, I don't think so this year. But I did meet some of the previous year winners, um, a guy named Craig and a woman as well who's very inspiring. Yeah. Okay. Were they the people that inspired you to do the Ironman or was it a different story? Um, I did the Ironman because um, – well, I had a partner who did an Ironman actually and it was really cool like tracking him live whilst he was doing the event and um, I was with him while he did that and then um, after we split and went our separate ways um, I think I was very inspired by him so at the time I was doing lots of running and marathons and um, sprint distance triathlons which are only you know two to three hours for a full event and um, one day I just decided screw it I want to do a full Ironman so I did have scheduled um, some longer distance triathlons but I never I didn't actually do them. I, did, I had an Olympic distance booked, but I didn't do it. And I never did a, um, a half Ironman either. So I'm the only person in the world who's ever done a full Ironman, having never done half Ironman or Olympic distance try. That's crazy. Yeah. So how long did you have to prep for the Ironman? Um, I think I booked it in October 2013 and the event was March 2014. So um, what's that? Uh, October, November, December, three Oh my God, three months. <laughs> no, four, four or oh, six months, but I, I only really trained for four months out of that time. I didn't do any running for four weeks before the event. I just kind of freaked out. Oh, why? Tell us about it. Um, I can't remember exactly. I just remember um, I knew I had to taper. So like running the week of the event wasn't smart, but um, for three weeks to, to not run for three weeks before an Ironman is probably not wise with – training um but yeah I think I a part of me didn't think I could do it but the majority of me believed that I could do it okay so you felt like (laughs) I'm not gonna train and then what happened like so you didn't train for the three weeks but then you knew that you had the event 
But then what happened that week of the event? Um, Were you – Well, I, I still did some rides and swims. I just wasn't running. Okay. So I was confident in my running abilities. Um, I'm, mm-hmm. I can't – it was years ago. I can't remember exactly why I didn't run, but I remember being quite nervous um, about the event. And, yeah, the week of the event I remember um, I had to pack my bag up, obviously uh, – my, my bike up, obviously, because you have to – flight down there to Melbourne Mm -hmm. and um yeah just you have to take your own gear is that right yeah of course yeah they don't provide it for you so um when I checked my bike into um to the um transition area it there was so many bikes like I've got photos I can show you of that it was crazy there was thousand there was I think two thousand athletes so there's two thousand bikes it was amazing yeah um and then um, so tell me, tell me about that. Like you, you go in for a swim. You're wearing a wetsuit. You swim. What did you say? Three, three point eight kilometers. Eight kilometers. You're running out of the water. Then what's next? You've got to get onto the bike. How do you get onto the bike? Uh, so you go through what's called transition. So it's mm-hmm. a massive tent, and in there you have. Um, or I had a bag with my my number on it, my race number, and then the um, as you run into the tent, the um, the helpers there look at your number and they they run and get the bag for you so they um they had the bag ready for me and they there was like three of them and they said do you need help I said yes please and they they unzip my um wetsuit for me and underneath I had my tri suit on then they were helping me put my shoes on and asking is this too tight is that okay putting my socks on for me just helping me get through that transition tent as quickly as possible because that's time that you don't want to waste because it's time tacked onto your race time overall um and then I ran out of transition and and um you're running in these funny shoes cycling shoes with cleats on them so they're a bit awkward um and then I had to go and find my bike so I I was a bit disoriented and it was hard to find because there (laughs) were so many but yeah then I jumped on the bike and then uh I had to push it you can't jump you can't mount the bike until you get to a special line so I had to push it to the line and then get on the bike and then commence my race my riding and so you're wet going on the bike yeah, um, one mistake I made was um, <laughs> being under-experienced, obviously, with triathlons, especially long distance, was I didn't know exactly what I was in for. There's these little things that other athletes would probably learn from experience, but mm-hmm. I was in Melbourne. So it was during March, so it's still quite warm. I mean, it's cooling down out of summer. Um, but, yeah, it, was, it wasn't too cold at the time, but um, it was beginning to be overcast. And um, I had this tri-suit on with this singlet tri-suit and um, didn't have long sleeves or a jumper or anything in the transition tent for me to wear. So, because uh, everything has to be improved that goes into the, the transition tents. So I was quite cold for seven hours riding on the bike because I didn't have any <laughs> long sleeves and there was headwinds. So, yeah, it was, it was, um, it was definitely a challenge. Oh my gosh. Was there lots of mountains in Melbourne? No. Like when you're on the bike or was it flat? It was really flat. Yeah, we, we rode on the East Link. So it's like a they shut down um, four lanes of a highway. So okay. if you have four lanes on one side and four lanes on the other side, they shut down the entire four lanes of one side of the highway wow. <clears throat> for the event. Yeah, because um, we had to cycle 180K. Um, yeah. yeah, so it was, it was up 45, back 45, up 45, back 45, two laps. So um, that's how we did it, 45 out. And we went through the East Link Tunnel, which was really cool. I mm-hmm. remember getting getting some speed up through there, <laughs> over 50k per hour, which was fast on the bike. Yeah. yeah, it was fun. That is fast. And then when you went from the bike to running, were you nervous because you hadn't trained for running three weeks leading in? Were you nervous to go into the run or did you feel fully Not prepped, really. ready to go? 
I'm a super confident runner, so I wasn't too nervous. And I'd done two marathons prior to the Ironman plus two half marathons. So I was really confident running. Um, and obviously with my soccer background, I, um, yeah, I was just really fit. Um, I was most nervous about the swim. I knew if I could get through the swim, the um, I'd be able to finish the race. And yeah, I did that. So the scariest part of the swim would have been the start when um, – when I was getting into the water with 2,000 other athletes, I stuck to the back of the pack, but even still um, people were just swimming over each other and pushing each other underwater. Nobody cares because it's a race. So, yeah, it was very scary. My heart was racing, so I couldn't swim freestyle because freestyle you have your head underwater. Um, oh, and I couldn't breathe. Because I was puffing so much because my heart was racing. So I was doing breaststroke and then um, – <laughs> And then I started doing backstroke at one point in the swim as well once I got away from all the other athletes. Yeah, right. Mm. So you would say that the swim was the most challenging for you? Um, for dif- Yeah, the swim and the ride for different reasons and even the run. But the swim um, was probably – the swim was hardest at the start because I didn't know what I was in for. Mm-hmm. And um, – yeah, and I wasn't – I'm definitely not a strong swimmer. I was I was one of the last people. Like I was one of the swimmers with other swimmers who were joking around in the race. That's oh. how that's how far <laughs> back I was. But then I, I overtook a lot of people on the ride and the run, so that's okay. Yeah. But I just told myself just to take my time. As long as I finished it, it, it would be fine and I'd make up time in the other two legs. Yeah, right. And then with the bike, what did you find challenging about that? Um, My – pubic area was very <laughs> sore <laughs> because I was riding on um, a bike with tires pumped up to 120 psi so you feel every single bump and um, there's no oh shock God. absorption <laughs> on a race bike and I was riding a time trial bike as well which is um is just very rigid bike so you, you feel everything yeah. and the seat is um was quite hard it was a seat that I I bought custom for me um, it was a very strange looking seat, but very comfortable and uh, like comfortable for a race seat. <laughs> but um, after seven hours, my area was very Bruce. sore. And yeah, after the event, the next day, I took a photo actually. It was purple and blue and oh, nasty. It was gnarly. Yeah. Oh, God. So th- that was painful. Yeah. So tell us about like when you're in those moments that you are feeling pain um, and it is uncomfortable. How do you get through that? Like what what's going on in your mind? What games are you playing? Are you going, I'll get to this point and I'll back it off a little bit or are you singing or what are you actually thinking about? Um, yeah, good question. There's lots of things I've thought about and lots of strategies that I had um, in mind before the race to help me get through it. So one of them was um, I had I chose three songs to sing to myself whilst I was during the race. And, and what were they? I can't remember – all of them, but one of them was Is it um, when you're happy yeah. because I'm happy. Clap along if you feel like a room without a roof, yeah. whatever the lyrics are. So, yeah, that was one of my songs, the happy song. Um, and I can't remember the other two, but yeah, I just sing them to myself. And they were mood songs, so they were meant to get my mood up if I felt a bit lower. But at no point did I think I couldn't finish the race. When it got hard, when my body was in pain, I know that um, physical pain doesn't last forever okay and I've done races before like a marathon where your your feet get very sore so I knew that um the body would do it if I told it to do it so mentally I was saying it's okay body like it'll be over once we finish and then we can rest and and eat and all of that kind of stuff so you're quite mentally strong 
Yeah, yeah. And then also um, I had a sticker on my, on my bike whilst I was cycling that said, uh, your worst day of training is never as bad as a day of chemo because I raise money for um, people with cancer. So that was a good reminder that I'm blessed to have a, an able body and to be grateful for it and to push it to its boundaries and um, finish a race, which I know other people have finished before. So I knew I was definitely capable. Okay. And that sticker that you had on the bike, you said, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Was that um, for someone in particular that you could feel some emotion towards when you looked at it and you knew I'm doing this for somebody? Yeah, it was for three people in particular. So um, my mum's father, so my grandfather passed away when I was quite young and I really looked up to him um, because he was an incredible businessman and a great grandfather in, in the way that he used to teach me lessons and and um, and teach me games and just the way he nurtured me as a, yeah. a, a young woman um, was really beautiful. So I... I I did the fundraising for him, also for um, my stepmom's sister at the time. She, my stepmom's sister and brother-in-law, um, they were going through cancer together. So I was thinking of them, and then um, another lady, a woman named Sonia, who uh, I played soccer with in Bundaberg um, when I was quite young. She really inspired me, and she was a striker, yep. and she um, she could just shoot goals from anywhere. She was incredible. And she uh, was very sick when I ran my race um, with, I can't remember, I think, what kind of cancer. So, yeah, she was definitely in my mind um, at the time. And I told her that I was doing the race and how much she inspired me when I was young. Yeah. And she loved following the the journey. And if you look on my Facebook page, you can see her comments from back then. But then only a couple of weeks after the race, um, she passed away, sadly. But, um, yeah, it was Beautiful to have them in mind whilst I was racing. Yeah, that's lovely. And that will help you keep pushing through and sort of thinking about that rather than what you're actually doing as well um, yeah. during the time. So tell us about when you're in the race. What what do you eat? Like, so it's about, you said you did 14 hours and something, so let's say 15 hours. What are you actually snacking on? How do you keep your energy levels high? And then where the hell do you go to do the number twos and ones. <laughs> yeah, sure. Were well, you doing that in the ocean or? No, um, maybe number ones, but not twos in the ocean, <laughs> not in a wetsuit. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> yeah, so whilst racing, um, prior to the race, obviously I'd done some training, so I knew um, that I'd need energy for the race. So I had mm-hmm. things called gels, which are basically caffeine and sugar hits, yep. and um, they – they deliver energy to the body, which is great. A lot of racers use them. And I also had a banana strapped to my bike. So once I got in, got on, I could eat that after the swim because I was in the water for three hours, yeah, close to three hours. And then uh, during the – because when you're in the water, you don't really have access to food. Yeah. Um, so like I said, I ate straight after the, the swim. And you also have snacks in transition. So whilst you're running through, you can quickly eat things whilst you're getting dressed. Is this stuff that you have prepped or is yeah. this what they have prepped yeah prepped and then during the race like the cycle the ride leg there were people um who would stand out holding things like this and then as you ride past you grab them out of their hands so I didn't have to stop to get snacks there were things like um lots of Gatorade water hydrolyte and also and they would scream out what they're holding so you knew what you're grabbing (laughs) it was really cool and then they also had degas coke a lot of people don't know this but um for endurance Coca-Cola degas is really good. It's got caffeine to keep you alert and also sugar. Um, okay, like instant sugar. It'll go straight in and be um, that absorbed. energy straight up. Yeah, it's really important to have access to easy carbs when you're doing endurance events because the body 
doesn't you don't want to waste your body's energy on digestion and also your body doesn't want to digest things if you eat food it, you'd probably feel sick because um, your body's trying to pump all the blood to your arms and legs to fuel your muscles so the body doesn't really want to be digesting so by giving my body easy access to carbohydrates and caffeine it's just quick yeah quick energy kept it running it's not the best nutritionally but it's ideal for a race situation so they had that on the bike leg and also the run leg. You could run along and grab lollies or Vegemite and stuff like that. Um, and, yeah, to go to the toilet um, <laughs> during the ride, they had port So I'd have to stop and there'd be people there who would grab my bike and and um, put it off to the side whilst I went to the dunny and they'd, they'd wait for me. I think that's how it went uh, from memory. <laughs> I haven't done many races, so I can't really remember. Yeah. And then um, – did you feel like you leg. needed to do it though? Like no. were you just so in this like race, everything's just about moving forward rather than um, – In the ride leg, I didn't really need uh, – actually I do – I think I stopped once or twice to do a number two. Mm-hmm. But um, number one's like you just kind of hold in and some athletes even um, pee whilst they're riding or running. Mm, I've seen that before in um, some running events. Yeah. They'll even go – they'll even do the number twos in their race suits if they're um, serious athletes. Yeah, that's crazy. To save time. Mm, I saw it on – during my race I saw athletes cycling past me who'd done that. Oh, my gosh. Mm. So tell us about – like just say I'm going to go into an Ironman. What's some advice that you would give me? For you personally? Yeah, if I was to do it or if anybody else. Um. Well, if you want to do an Ironman having never done one before and you haven't – got any experience with triathlon you definitely need some experience with triathlon um and to do an Ironman you to qualify for full Ironman you need to have done a half Mm -hmm. usually but I had a sneaky little um Mm -hmm. route that I did to get into mine uh so yeah definitely do triathlons and and practice your transitions the like it's I reckon transition is one of the most important things and having um everything prepped so it's Mm -hmm. more about pre-race than the actual day um yeah, and that would make it so much easier for the day if you had everything ready to roll. Um, then on the day, you you don't really have to think about it; you just go with it. Yeah, that's right. Because you, your your preparation kind of guides how your race will go. So you definitely um, experience in that regard. And then if you have done Ironman events or triathlons before, then uh, I highly recommend um, training for a time that you want mm-hmm. and. So if you want a time of 12 hours, for example, under 12 hours, train as if you're going for 10 hours. Mm-hmm. Or if you want a 10-hour time, train as if you're going for eight because then if you fall short, you'll still hit your goal. Okay. So the mistake I made was training for 12 hours, which was where I wanted to be, yeah. and then finishing in 14 Yeah. because um, you can never be too prepared. So there was things that happened during the race that I wasn't prepared for, mm-hmm. um, like being cold on the bike, I think affected my performance a bit. So yeah. if I was better prepared, perhaps my performance would have been better and therefore my time. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So, um, cool. Tell me about, um, well, now that you've done the Ironman and you've experienced all of this, what is your next goal now? Has it led you to anything to do more events since, uh, since you've done Ironman or have you got some fire for something else? Um, well, after Ironman is interesting. I, a couple of athletes I spoke to spoke of, um, post Ironman depression or, and okay. I was like, really? I don't think so. I'm quite a motivated person, but I, I wouldn't say I was like depressed after Ironman, but because it's such, it's like going to war or going to outer space and Ironman is such a, an incredible 
feat to achieve that what compares to that so um I couldn't think of anything more challenging than that at the time and Mm -hmm. nothing really else interested me in terms of physical ability so I directed my energies towards business and um and further developing my mindset I love learning about mindset and um furthering myself as a human being but yeah in terms of business um I did start a business and shelved that and then moved overseas I've come back in all of this time and now my focus is yeah definitely transferring my mental strength and tenacity and physical ability into um a business mindset and creating an incredible business oh awesome can you let us a little insight on what's happening or yeah that's for sure yeah so um your your audience may or may not know, but we have a business together called Fearless and I'm helping Jacinta with the back end of stuff. So the the marketing strategy and the business strategy and um all the stuff I have no idea on. <laughs> yeah. And uh like where we where we want the business to be in five, ten years. So I'm helping us with that and then um developing my own brand on the side. Cool. So tell me about your, with your athletic ability, have you had any failures from even from soccer or from in school? Have you had any failures and what did you learn from those failures? Um, yeah, I think everybody has failures. I think, um, you know, like I said, my lack, I, I, I lacked some preparation for Ironman mm-hmm. just from um, lack of experience. And um, I, I think that a major failure from – well, not a major failure, but something – I quit soccer when I was at my peak, I believe. So I was mm-hmm. playing in the, the Ladies Premier League in Brisbane and really enjoying that and um, playing very well. And then I started training in a gym and I fell in love with training in the gym and um, became part of a community who would run frequently, run like 10K half full full marathon events. And that really interested me. So I decided that um, – Previously in my soccer career, I wanted to play for Australia mm-hmm. and um, that was still kind of my dream when I quit, but I, I just looked at the route to get there and what it would take and then I spoke to some friends who were playing for Australia and they told me the inside information about what they get paid, which wasn't a lot mm-hmm. and it's um, it's quite competitive, which is fine, but I just decided that that wasn't going to be for me um, and that I would take a different path. So, yeah, so I focused on my athleticism at the gym and um, building my personal brand and building a business. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about um, like have you have you felt like there's anything like when when you're going a direction and you feel that it wasn't like some people would call it a failure, like what's your mindset around that? Do you go, oh, I'm really upset with myself because I didn't achieve been in the um, soccer as high as you could or do you look at that as a learning curve for yourself? Uh, I think it was a smart move by me and a learning curve. I, I don't ever think failure means that you need to cry in your hands and, um, you know, take a week off to, to recover. I think that failure is just a feedback mechanism to let you know that what you're initially striving for may not have been that important to you or if it, di- if it was important to you, maybe you didn't do enough planning. So it's just a feedback to make you think harder about why you're doing it. So I think that with soccer, um, I was doing it be- because a lot of girls in my position wanted that for themselves. Yeah. Um, but why did I actually want that? And what would that mean to me if I did achieve that? Will I just be playing for Australia? Um, I, was, 
at the time I just realized it wasn't the path that I wanted to be on. I felt like I had more to give to the world and that um, just playing for Australia in soccer would limit my ability to provide what I want to provide to the world. Then, um, you know, there's been other times when, when I was training at the gym, I wanted to do a fitness model competition because other people around me were doing it. And I thought, well, that's what I need to do next. Um, a bit of following the crowd, which yeah. it wasn't that important to me. And also um, with the way that my body was from so much cardio, I wasn't very muscular. So for me to do a fitness model comp and win, which is my mentality, if I'm going to do it, I want to be in it to win it. Yeah. Then to do it properly, I need to do a lot more training, like years of training. Yeah. And then I looked at that, I looked at the costs um, and it was all co- it was all money just going to something which was a maybe. And then I, I thought about even if I did win, what would that do for me? Is personal training and teaching other people how to do fitness model comps where I want to be? So no is the answer to that. So then I quit that as well. But I don't think that these are failures. I think that these are um, It's more like realisation as yeah. well on what you really want. Yeah, that's, that's right. It's a great way to look at life because then that way you can um, you can apply that to anything. Yeah, definitely. Whether it be in business or fitness. Yeah, absolutely. So wrapping up, babe, have you got anything else that you want the listeners to um, know about you? Hmm. Let me think. I don't know. Is there anything you want the listeners to know about me? Wow. Um, I'm sure they know what I think about you. <laughs> Well, I think that when it comes to fitness and achieving your goals, which I'm, 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 you know, gauging that this podcast is about is, um, you know, sharing what's fearless about my mind. And I guess the thing that everybody needs to remember is that the body is, um, able to do incredible things and a lot more than what you think it's able to do. And a lot of the time the body will tell you that it can't go further, but then the first time it says it can't go further, it can go 50% more. And the yeah. second time it says it can't go further, it can go 20% more and then another 10%. It can just, the body is incredible and what the mind perceives the body can achieve. And we've seen this in athletes, you know, running the one minute mile, um, people summiting Mount Everest. And once one person's done it, then many people want to do it. Yeah. It's just that first person to brave, you know, Wim Hof with his um, oh, world record and breathing techniques. Once somebody achieves something, then a lot of people can follow. But you do, you've got to decide um, at what level you want to go out there and achieve your goals and work out a plan and work backwards from mm-hmm. that goal. And what it means to you if you're Yeah, make, make sure that what you're aiming for is something that you really truly want and why. Mm. Yeah, cool. Wise words, babe. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. It's our first one. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's been lovely. Well, thanks for listening in to the podcast with Elise. If you'd like to get in contact with her or watch her daily inspiration, I'll post her social media links below. Now we're going to get into the fearless challenge that Elise has for me. So you'll be able to find this on Jacinta Robinson um, YouTube channel and get ready because it is a race against each other.